another edition of the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast. What's going on, everybody? It's Thursday, October 25th. Adam Azer and Scott White here. Chris Towers not on the show today, so next time he's on, we can make fun of him for abandoning us as usual. <laughs> what up, Scott? Adam. Hey. How's it going? Hey, man, Does it break good. your heart watching the Red Sox? Yes. Uh, Break my heart? No. Well, uh, the rest of the league. Boil my blood? Yes. Ooh, uh, makes your blood boil. Yeah, yeah. Quite mad. Yeah. Said some really nasty things last night. Things I regret. Man. Yeah, Man. yeah, yeah. You can root so hard against the team. Yeah, it sure can. They are, they are an unstoppable force. And uh, congratulations to them for winning the World Series. <laughs> we'll get into it. <laughs> uh, I think, well. No. It's over, Scott. You just stay. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. They're headed, they're headed to LA. I yeah. think they're, I think the Dodgers are going to probably beat Porcello. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, you think so? Well, you, I like it. No, by the time they're listening to this, it may already be over. So we'll probably. See. Yeah. I mean, it yeah. is, it is te- technically it is actually over, but there are still some games to play. But yes, uh, two nothing, two nothing in the series. Before we get into the World Series and Jose Altuve's knee surgery and some other things going on around baseball, let me tell you what's coming up on today's show. I'm going to ask Scott if he's buying it. Four hitters, four pitchers, are you buying it for next season? And then we will give better and worse for the four American League East teams that we have not covered. We did the Yankees, but who will be better and worse on the Orioles, Rays, Blue Jays, and Red Sox? And yeah, the the Orioles, that is a tough one. We'll also... Read your emails at fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Let's start with the hitter edition of Are You Buying It? Or Are We Buying It? Hmm. Working title. Are you buying Whit Merrifield as an elite player? He was a top 20 hitter in 2018. Are you buying Whit Merrifield as an elite player? Well, I don't have him 20th. And I have I have actually been putting my top 600s together. Since we last spoke, Adam, six uh, hundred uh, top six hundreds because you gotta go. You gotta have a top three hundred for AL uh, only and uh, NL only. So I just go six hundred. Okay, okay. That's how I. That's how I handle it. And I can tell you exactly where he is in those. And it's it's top fifty. He's top fifty in both formats. And in fact, in roto, he uh, because of the steals. Obviously, he led the majors in steals this past year. He's thirty third. So I have him as a third rounder in roto leagues. Um, yeah, I guess I'm buying it. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, second base is the shallowest position, I think, clearly, other than catcher, which doesn't count as a position. And count. stolen bases is the scarcest category. So you got a guy who does both of them uh, in back to back seasons. Yeah, you know, also yeah, helps in batting average. I don't know what's so different about him and like Starling Marte, you know. Well, Starling Marte, I have 34th in right. Roto. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 I mean, the only problem, is, like, the only thing I can think of is, like, all right. <laughs> he had 91 games before the All-Star break, 67 games after the All-Star break. Just going forward, you know, I'm sure I'll repeat this a lot. We don't have our full audience. But because of the way the schedule was laid out, you know, starting the season earlier, uh, if you look at, like, first half, second half, and you're using the All-Star break, it's not really halfway. You know, a lot more games played after the uh, before the All Star break. But uh, he had 17 steals in 91 games before the All Star break. He had 28 steals in 67 games after the All Star break, and finished with 45 steals and 55 attempts. I guess the only thing is, if he doesn't steal, 
if he's like a 32 steal guy, I don't know. Maybe he's not that good because he doesn't really hit for any power. Well, I, he he does hit for some power. He, he doubles. Had how many? I think he led the majors in doubles, right? Forty-three doubles. He's probably up there. Ah, uh, no, he didn't lead. No, some, somebody else. I'm thinking of. But he's you know that's a lot of doubles. A lot of doubles. Um, and double-digit home runs for the second straight year. He approached twenty two years ago. Like he performed like an elite player two years ago too. It's just there was less. It was less. People were less willing to buy into it. Okay. Um, and the fact that second base is only weaker now, I, I don't think there's a lot of downside to taking him there. I think he's going to be a top five player at that position easily. All right, that's Whit Merrifield. We're buying him as a third-round pick in Roto. Are you buying Matt Carpenter as a stud first baseman? Now, I have a harder time with this one just because of his injury history and his lack of consistency over the years and his age. I mean, that ties into the injury history. I expect him to come down with something next year. How severe will it be? Will it it sidelines him? (laughs) Maybe. Will it sideline him? Will he try to play through it, which hasn't gone well for him in the past? Uh uh, he he is lower than Whit Merrifield for me in Roto, which I don't think is a surprise. I have him 44th in Roto. Uh, in points leagues, he's higher than Whit Merrifield, which, I, again, I don't think is a surprise to anyone. That's that's Carpenter's better uh, format since he walks, and, you know, the steals aren't as valuable in that format. But, you know, they're they're ranked pretty close to each other. But Carpenter will not be second base eligible to begin nope. next year, Maryfield, Maryfield will. Yeah, that it, that would be interesting if if either Carpenter already was second base eligible, or we had good reason to think he'd gain second base eligibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, seeing how seeing as how weak that position is, it might uh, it would make him a more interesting pick, I think. Yeah, and they both were second base eligible last year, and they finished as both of them as top four. And they they finished very similarly, uh, Maryfield and Carpenter, in terms of uh, their fantasy out out. Output. Um, are we buying Matt? No, Mitch Hanniger. Matt Hanniger sucks. But are we buying Mitch Hanniger? <laughs> Maybe I should raise the stakes here as a top thirty outfielder. I have him as a top thirty outfielder. So yes, I'm buying him as a top thirty outfielder. Um, what's interesting with him is he's. He's not really a standout in home runs. I mean, he hit 26 this year, I want to say. Yeah. Nice work. Uh, Mitch Hanniger. He's not, he's not a standout in batting average. What did he hit? What's your guess? 283. 285. Mitch Hanniger. Okay. He's not bad at either. But what really sets him apart is because he walks at a higher than usual rate and bats high in the lineup. He had a lot of runs in RBI this year, and I don't see any reason to think that's going to change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Hanniger finished as a top 12 outfielder, 11th in points, 12th in Roto. And he, uh, you know, I don't know, he, eh, 285, <laughs> right, like Scott said, he doesn't really excite you. He stole eight bases, 93 RBIs, 90 runs, but, you know, his season got off to a great start, and then he went on the, I don't know, three-and-a-half-month lull. Something like that, where he was like fine, but mm-hmm. then they moved him to leadoff, and he played 45 games as a leadoff hitter. He batted 330 with a 388 on base, a 580 slugging percentage. He scored 35 runs 
in 45 games batting leadoff, Mitch Haniger. Um, mm-hmm. it was right, it was pretty much the day after I traded him in one league. So that was bad. Uh, but yeah, I, he doesn't excite me. I feel like, I don't know when people are gonna draft him. Top 30 seems reasonable. Top 20, no, no way. Not that yeah. I really have a great grip of who my top 20 outfielders would be, but I just can't imagine drafting a boring player like this as a top 20 outfielder. Well, points league is probably his better format. And I'm 20th in that, so he is right, right there. Who I have ahead of him is actually Aloy Jimenez. Wow. Which might surprise you. And Starling Marte and Cody Bellinger. So it's not like, you know, considering it's a points league and that's not Marte's, you know, it, Marte's much, much better in, in categories leagues. And I have him ahead of Mitch Handy. Like, I think that may be, there are fewer high-end outfielders than you're thinking. Oh yeah, I mean that's that's the way it is with outfield. It's top-heavy. I just then behind Haniger, I have Justin Upton, Tommy Pham, Gregory Polanco, Lorenzo Cain. I mean, I don't know if any of those are someone you'd you'd much rather have than Haniger. I don't know. Uh, well, yeah, I'd probably rather have Cain. I don't know. I, I got. I, I just. I don't think you win your league with Mitch Haniger. If you get him with good value, he's a guy you can plug in your lineup and feel okay about, feel fine about. You don't win your league. You don't, you don't win friends with Mitch Haniger. Simpsons joke, you don't win friends with Salad. Aaron Hicks, are you buying it? Aaron Hicks has a 2019 breakout. I see, I see some peripherals that would suggest maybe there's a breakout coming for Aaron Hicks, who was 16th in points, 22nd in Roto in 137 games. Fifth a breakout best, coming for Aaron Hicks. best walk rate among qualified yeah. hitters. I think the breakout's already happened for Aaron Hicks. I don't know More. how you're expecting him to improve. He batted 248. He's okay. got to bat. He's got to do better than that if he's going to be a real breakout. <laughs> uh, he's his per healthy. game production would probably surprise you because it was, I want to say, top 15 at the outfield in points leagues, of course. Because of how much he walks and no, it doesn't you know, surprise not. me. He was 16th overall and he missed 25 games. He was oh uh, well, if he's 16th overall, yeah, he might have been top 10 in per game. 22nd in roto, and this is two years in a row where he's, he's going to be good in points leagues because his walk to strikeout ratio is so good. Um, but I would like to see him get closer to 20 steals, and yeah, I, I buy the power. I mean, 27 homer, he basically could hit 30 home runs. I don't. I don't know. I think he'd have to hit 270, and then we're talking about a real like. I mean, it's possible. His BABIP was low this year, and and while he's normally been a low BABIP guy, he's also been a low line drive guy, and that changed this year. He had an kind of an average line drive rate, and yet the BABIP was still really low. So there there may have been some bad luck there. All right, we're gonna take a look at the news and notes. We'll do some. uh, Are we buying it, pitchers? Let me tell you about Lightstream. This is really uh, a very interesting and very useful website. And I want you to go there right now to lightstream.com. And actually, our URL is lightstream.com slash strike. L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot com slash strike. So if you have good credit, but you uh, need, need a little help with your credit card debt, lightstream.com slash strike is the website for you. You ever looked at your credit card statement and been shocked by the interest rate? All right. I, I can't believe how high credit card interest rates are. And 
I know I'd go right to Lightstream, which, by the way, website's very, very easy to use if I ever needed help with it. Lightstream offers credit card consolidation loans from 5.89% APR with auto pay. The average credit card interest rate could be over 18% APR. And you can get a loan on Lightstream from five dollars to $100,000. You can get your funds as soon as the day you apply. Lightstream believes that people with good credit deserve a great interest rate and no fees. And it, here's a little bonus. Lightstream plants a tree with every loan they fund. So our listeners can get a special discount on top of Lightstream's already low rates. You get that at lightstream.com slash strike. Lightstream.com slash strike. You need a little help with the credit card debt? You'll get the consolidation loan 5.89% APR with auto pay. Lightstream.com slash strike. That is subject to credit approval. Rate includes a 0.50% auto pay discount. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash strike for more information. All right, news and notes. Boston won the World Series. Uh, Matt Snyder's article about Dave Roberts and Yasiel Puig is really interesting. Talking about, uh, the managerial mistakes that, that Snyder at least is suggesting. And what was, I thought really interesting was where Yasiel Puig was positioned on JD Martinez's two run single. Uh, that the decisive runs in game two. You sh- yeah, catch that one, Scott. I didn't. No, I didn't notice. Yeah, he was pretty deep, and hmm. there were two outs. Uh, and I guess after game one, Dave Roberts said they weren't going to play as deep in the outfield, and he was really deep. And there's even, you know, evidence in this story. I, I want everybody to go read it. It's really good. It's a really good read. Um, not just about where Puig was positioned, but other things that like like. Ryan Madsen really struggles with the cold weather, and they went right back to Madsen uh, in game two in the most important spot. He himself said that he couldn't get loose with the weather. So it's good stuff, uh, the game inside the game. Alex Cora is amazing. The Red Sox coaching staff, they are doing such an incredible job. Everything they do is turning out right. Like using Evaldi as a late-inning gem, I mean— they're they're just pushing all the right. What buttons. did he call that role? He called it the rover. The rover. Avaldi's the rover. Yeah. yeah. They're doing a great job. Um, the Twins hired Rocco Baldelli to be their manager. He was a Rays coach for four years. So if you like Kyle Gibson, he is going to pitch the second, third, fourth, and fifth innings going forward. Um, uh, no, just kidding. But you know, <laughs> that's the Rays. Scott, I've been trying so hard. Oh, I think I got it. All right. I'm gonna to wait to get to this news item, because I gotta pull up a clip here. Um, Tampa Bay signs 16-year-old Cuban pitcher Sandy Gaston. That's cool. It's not Gaston. I don't know. Because that would have been fun. Is that like Beauty and the Beast or something? Yeah. Never seen it. My fa- my favorite. You've never seen Beauty and the Beast? No. <laughs> I can understand not remembering it. It came out so long. I saw ago, it in Spanish. But... I saw it in Spanish class <laughs> for us. Well, my favorite Disney movie fact is uh, where they, you know, during the song where they're like singing the praises of Gaston, and uh, he talks about when he was a lad, he ate four dozen eggs. Every morning he'd eat four dozen eggs to help him get large, and then now he eats five dozen eggs. Every morning. Every morning he eats five dozen eggs. Uh, that sounds like a lot. That's 60 eggs. <laughs> it's a lot of eggs. Like, that's not, that can't be good for anybody. No. Egg whites maybe would be better. I don't know. Um, alright, so I'm trying to get this, uh, this audio clip up. 
It's not happening. My internet's not working here, but the Marlins signed Victor Mesa, Victor Mesa Jr. and Victor Victor Mesa, a couple brothers. And I was trying yeah. to play What's Your Vector Victor from Airplane. Like, they're always cards. going to have to call the latter Victor Victor Mesa, right? Because if they just called him Victor Mesa and they had Victor Mesa and Victor Mesa Jr. on the same team, that'd be very confusing. It's pretty amazing. Now, does does the older Victor Mesa Jr., does he have a chance to contribute soon for the Marlins? He's, I think, 21, 22? I would think so, 22, yeah. Is he that old? He might He might not be that old. No, I, I, I think he is. Okay. Victor Mesa Jr. So I, it's possible he contributes this year, I would think. He is 22, and his brother is 17. Is he a big time prospect? Is this the guy who's getting drafted? In a in a standard mixed league, I, I don't know. I he, he's yes, I mean he's definitely somebody who we should be interested in. Uh, I don't know that I'm ready to add him to my top two fifty. Uh, I don't know exactly at what point he'll be up. He may not get called up this year. Right. They may decide uh, to give him a full week, a full year in the in the U.S. before. Uh, before starting him down that path, but yeah, I mean he's going to be in my top 100 prospects. All right, you got to make a change to your uh, your top 10. You got to move Jose Altuve back up because he had knee surgery. He was playing with a knee injury. Makes sense now. He's fine. <laughs> you know the Astros have been really secretive about the injuries, like to the point it's it's become a major nuisance for us media types. Uh, because yeah, this, this was under, they kept this under wraps all season and yeah, I'm encouraged to hear it because it gives me more hope that he'll start running more next year. But on the other hand, he's going to be coming off knee surgery and maybe they'll decide it's, it's just not worth it. Uh, it's not worth sending him, exposing him to that risk. Chance he loses a step. I don't know. Yeah. It's uh I I might move him up a little, but I'm not going to move him back into the top 5. I imagine he'll hit better. You know, his his power was way down. He had 13 home runs. He had 24 home runs each of the previous two seasons. They only played 137 games, but still power was down 864 OPS. It had been 928 and 957. Uh, 864 OPS before the before the All-Star break. After the All-Star break, he had a 764 OPS. Um, yeah, but even before we all started, I was pretty confident. Good. I was pretty confident the power returning because the batted ball profile, in terms of how hard he hit it and how much he elevated it, was basically the same as last year. But yeah, I mean, it, it I guess gives me more confidence in that. But the other notable storyline uh, for the Astros and, and injuries is there's a rumor that Lance McCullers has a torn UCL Oy. and needs Tommy John surgery. And um, it's, it's unconfirmed to this point, but uh, it, it definitely seems to have some smoke to it. They uh, some astro like when they were talking, some Astros were interviewed uh, about Lance McCullers recently. I guess after one of the playoff games in this la- latest series, and. Uh, they were, but they they started to talk about how he was hurt, and then they kind of like caught themselves and didn't say exactly uh, what it was he was dealing with. Mm. So, um, I would be prepared to go without Lance McCullers next year. Obviously, we're going to know more by the time you're actually drafting. But yeah, it doesn't sound good. 
All right, Scott. Uh, it's time for your movie review. I gave you a homework assignment. I told you to watch the original Halloween. I saw you tweet about it. Broke my heart into a million uh, pieces. Yeah. But let's so, uh, yeah, let's, let's hear. Let's talk. Let's yeah. talk about Halloween. Okay. Man. Let's talk about it. I have. I, I can appreciate the idea that it was groundbreaking. Introduced a new genre that uh, that we've come to be very familiar with today. But I wasn't there in 1978 when it came out, right? Right. Um, I can't experience it like a 1978 audience can. I've seen a lot, Adam. I've seen a lot before I saw Halloween. And it just... It 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 just didn't do anything new for me. In fact, yeah. it was kind of... I was kind... I, I was frustrated because I wanted... Like when is he gonna kill somebody? <laughs> like, yeah, I didn't. I didn't think. Uh, I didn't think it was gonna scare you. I didn't think it was well, gonna I, scare. I you. know. I that's fine, but it could have been thrilling at least. You know, it's like, suspenseful. It wasn't though. It really wasn't. It was a drag. And I and John Carpenter was so in love with that theme he wrote. Like every time a leaf blew, it was playing again. <laughs> and it's a good theme. It's a but, great theme. But it was overkill and. Like, I don't even know that I, I like some of what it created. Cause then, like, it seems like, is, is that where the, uh, let me, let me think in case children, children are listening. Is that where the, uh, like the, the Twitter pated teen came from? Like, is that where that started? Where that was always the victim in oh. these slasher movies? Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure what movie came first, like Friday the 13th. Because that had that element too. No, I think it was just no, like this came before, this came before that, right? Yeah, this came yeah. before that. Yeah, this came before. And like the thing, the thing about that is like not that, you know, go not on. That I, not that I'd be, <laughs> not that I'd be judgmental about it or anything. Because whatever we, you know, that's part of being human. But like, if that's all you know about the character, that's not a sympathetic victim. You don't know enough about them to care about what happens to them. So that that's always been a part of that genre that's bothered me because that's literally all we know about them is they're looking to get some. And yeah. Like, I don't care. Yeah, all right, fine. You know what? Look, I, I wanted to see how it would translate, and I guess it was a little boring, and I could get that because it, it does take a while to get going. But it's a good movie. It's a well-acted movie. That's kind of one thing that sets it apart. It's like those horror movies, the, the acting is, is often so terrible. The acting's really good. Like, uh, Dr. Loomis is great, and Jamie Lee Curtis is great. Uh, I don't know. I love it. I, I, I think it's got some awesome moments in it. And, uh, I think it's creepy. I think it's, I think it's a great movie. I'm very, I really want to see the new one. I'm currently working on a movie. This one I re- will recommend to you, cause it's, I think, excellent so far. And, you know how it is when you have, kids you have two i have one you don't really have like a two-hour block to watch a movie start to finish right unless not often unless like your wife you know if you're doing if you're watching with your wife right yeah so we have been watching in segments the movie 1408 have you seen it with john cusack yeah i have seen that all right don't tell me how it ends because right now i love it (laughs) Right now, I love it. I, it's awesome. And I'm okay. thinking we're going to finish it tonight. I think we got about 45 minutes left. So, yeah, I love okay. it. Okay. All right. All right. Just, just shut, just shut up. Shut up. You know, and I, I do want to, for, for all the people who love Halloween out there, and, and it has a high 
rating on IMDb. It's, it's the second best horror movie of all time, behind The Exorcist. <laughs> uh, well, I I just want to remind people that I um I kind of have this issue with a lot of old movies where it's just like I've seen too much mm-hmm. to be able to assess it the way an audience could back then, and it's just so often not slow and not involved enough for me. Like it, it has trouble holding my attention. Now some older movies do it fine. Jaws is great. I saw Jaws recently. It was great. For the first time? For the first time, yeah. I saw recently as in like within the last two years. Oh, but you know when, when Austin Hooper does something good, I go, Hooper <laughs> from Jaws. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, that that movie's awesome. Yeah, that is more that, exciting than that. You know, than it's ex- it's an exception to the rule. All right, uh are we buying it? Part two. And if you are buying it and it happens to be a ticket to a game or a concert or comedy or a theater and it's guaranteed, well, then you bought it on SeatGeek. So get that SeatGeek app out, everybody, and look for events. And if you're having trouble thinking about what to do, SeatGeek will even suggest some events that are in your in your area. Uh, in fact, I just got a notification. I was looking at um, there's Miami's playing at Boston College tomorrow night, Friday night. It's about a three-hour drive, and I was thinking about doing it. I don't think I'm going to be able to make it, but I had been looking on SeatGeek, found some really good seats. Uh, my friend backed out at the last minute, so now, you know, whatever. But SeatGeek reminded me, not the last minute, last week. SeatGeek reminded me, hey, you still want those tickets? They're available. So I swiped. They're even cheaper now, $50 for like the 15th row. Really want to go. I'm going to try to make it happen, but I'm running out of time. But I just love that about SeatGeek. Uh, you know, sometimes there have been times where I, I didn't know what to do. SeatGeek shows me there's an event in town. Boom! Buy some tickets. Couple clicks, got my seats. And if you want to save 20 bucks on your first purchase, you download the SeatGeek app and use the promo code FANTASY. Promo code is FANTASY for 20 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase. Every purchase fully guaranteed. You're going to love the app. Promo code FANTASY. SeatGeek. Life's an event. We have the tickets. Alright, here's the pitcher version of Are We Buying It? Uh, Garrett Cole as an ace. Are we buying it? I think so. I, I have trouble with him because the way, the way, the way his first two months with went versus the way his final four months went was a pretty drastic difference. But the biggest difference was that the Astros just stopped asking him to pick, pitch more than six innings yep. at a time. Yep. Like there were a lot of five inning starts over the last four, which is not what you expect from the ace, but the strikeout rate was so high. And the supporting number's so good. And then in the playoffs, you know, he looked like an ace, certainly. So, uh, yeah, I, he's, I, I actually have him behind Trevor Bauer, which given their personal rivalry would probably upset him, but, <laughs> but, uh, they're both in my top 10. Yeah. I mean, Cole, so first 15 starts, he had a two and 259 ERA. Last 17 starts, he had a 316 ERA. You can't complain about that. The walk-to-strikeout ratios were almost identical, but in his first 15 starts, he had nine starts of seven or more innings, including each of his first five starts, seven innings. Last 17 starts, only two starts of seven or more innings. That's what Scott was talking about. Uh, the stuff is hard to argue with, though. My goodness, 12.4 strikeouts per nine. Uh, Miles Michaelis is a top 20 starting pitcher. He was... Top 13 last year, Scott. Eighth in points, 13th in Roto. Are you buying that? Miles Michaelis, top 20? No. I have him 30th. 
Okay. So I'm barely buying him top 30. And it just, it seems like it's, uh, you know, he really has to thread the needle to do what he did this year again. The, the fit, I mean, it's a low fit. It's not like he had a lot of good luck, but obviously it's, it's totally dependent on him having an elite walk rate and an elite home run rate. Which is possible. I mean, he's a ground ball pitcher. He's certainly a command pitcher. But if it's just good as opposed to elite, you know, he could be, he could end up being a pretty average fantasy option. Patrick Corbin as a top 20 starting pitcher. You're not buying Michael as top 20. Are you buying Corbin? Corbin and Michael yeah. said had basically the same amount of fantasy points. Yeah. Corbin's 11th for me. He's right behind Bauer and Cole. He's, uh, he had the best swinging strike rate in all the majors. Obviously it had to do with an arsenal change he made, basically turning his slider into his primary pitch. Obviously fastball is the primary pitch for virtually every pitcher in the majors. Uh, but Corbin figured out a way to, to dominate. And, uh, you know, even if he signs with the Yankees in that smaller park, the fact he's a left-hander who misses bats, I think he's still going to be an ace. Yeah, he was actually a lot better on the road. I mean, he was very good at home. He had 3.47 ERA, but he had a 2.80 ERA on the road. So it's not like Corbin leaves Arizona, which had the humidor, and and there's a huge problem. I, you know how I am. I, I guess I'm sort of forming a theory, and we'll test it this year. But if Corbin can go out with a below average fastball, if he ha- if he indeed has that, I think he probably does. Um. And be great again, then I'll be more open-minded. But I struggle with guys who don't have a great fastball. Like Kershaw. I mean, his slider was off against the Red Sox and he had a crap start. His slider was on the start before against the Brewers and he was amazing. Um, I want a guy who has a good fastball. It's, it's important to me. So it's a Carrasco, it's a Carrasco thing, you know? Uh, guys who rely, rely too much on the breaking ball, I feel like they can be prone to ups and downs. Corbin really wasn't, aside from a brief stretch. Somewhat early in the year. And, and we'll he's see. helped by the fact that he's, you know, a ground ball pitcher too. Um, so that helped keep the home run rate down. He did give up hard contact, but if it's mostly on the ground and it's not that much of it because he's getting the highest swing strike rate in baseball. Like I don't, I really don't think this is a Robbie, another Robbie Ray situation. And uh I know I was the highest on Robbie Ray heading into last year of anyone on the podcast. So you know, maybe I need to Well, I mean Robbie Ray grapple walked, with that a little more, he but walked the, everyone. Robbie Ray obviously has control problems yeah. that Corbin doesn't have. Yeah, totally. All right, uh last uh buy or sell, I guess, is Mike Fultonevich as a top thirty starting pitcher. Are you buying Fulty top thirty? He's just a, a spot or two ahead of Michaelis for me, so he's technically in my top 30. I have him lower than where he finished. Um, I I am a little suspicious of the the whole profile for him because the swinging strike rate isn't nearly as good as the K per nine would suggest. The arsenal doesn't seem varied. He's the walk rate still, you know, not particularly good. Uh, but the fact is his ERA and K per nine were what they were. And he had no trouble pitching deep into games with as many pitches as he was throwing. So uh I think by the time you get that to that point in the starting pitcher rankings, the upside outweighs the downside. Okay. 
Alright, Scott White, we're gonna talk about some crappy teams right now, including the Baltimore Orioles and the Toronto Blue Jays. Also talk about the Rays and the Red Sox. And they're not crappy by any means. Rays, one of the nice, uh, pleasant surprises. Red Sox are your 2018 World Series champions, it says here, after game two. And, uh, we'll get better and worse for each team. So let's start with the Orioles! Here's what nope. I came up with. Um, better, uh, next year on the Orioles. Who will be better? Nobody. Worse. <laughs> Who will be worse? Nobody. There was oh. nothing clever I could think of. Okay, like Dylan Bundy, probably a little bit. That's, that's probably your better, right? Yeah, definitely. He's definitely my better. And I don't know that he's going to be better, but if he is better, he could be a lot better. Because when he's on, the stuff is electric. That slider cutter hybrid gets tons of swings and misses. He had a couple months this year where he looked like an ace and then was just a disaster in between. Uh, I, I still think he's only 25. There's, there's still, there's still a sleeper potential here. And, um, uh, you know how starting pitcher rankings work where you get to a certain point in the rankings and everybody's kind of the same. Yeah. So the fact that there's clear upside for Bundy actually puts him higher than you might think in my starting pitcher rankings. Like he's probably going to be a mid round pick for me. Um, let's see. I'm 69th. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Bundy sell high. We'll go off to a great start. Then you sell high. Then you buy low. When he, after <laughs> then you sell high again. <laughs> then you sell high Just keep again. trading him. As uh, soon as he has a bad start, you trade him. I'm sure you'll get a great return. All right. Who is going to be worse next year on the Orioles? So I actually did find somebody who I think could be worse. Yeah. And it's kind of. I, I know I was going to do the same guy, but then I looked at his slash line and it's like, God, he really didn't hit that well. Well, Worse in terms of expectation, like perception versus reality, I guess. Okay. Because Jonathan VR, uh, given the scarcity of steals, is probably going to go a lot sooner than he should. And in a way that's reminiscent of two years ago, right? Yes. Uh, when he had that great year with the Brewers. But it, that year he had with the Brewers, he didn't just steal a lot of bases. He... Homer at a good rate, not a great rate, but a good rate. He walked a lot. Uh, you know, pretty much his success with the Orioles was entirely steals driven. Um, and batting lead off for second, you know, played appearances. Yeah. In steals. I mean, he, he, you know, he, he, he hit a decent number of home runs. I shouldn't, but the walks weren't where they were that year with the Brewers. Um, and just to put it in perspective, I mean, he was definitely good with the Orioles. He had, uh, he averaged as many points per game with the Orioles, about as many as Jose Altuve did for the whole season. So, you know, he, he definitely was putting up points, but it was mostly because he was running like crazy, batting lead off. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, the Orioles having nothing to lose, maybe they'll ask him to do that again, but like, it's clear VR is not a building block for them either. He's, going to be 28 next year. He's uh, obviously a limited player defensively and kind of an erratic player, not somebody who a, a contender would really want starting for them. Um, like I could see him getting off to a slow start and getting replaced by somebody younger just because somebody's younger, or he becomes just this trade ship 
to be like a utility player for a contender who hardly ever plays. And uh, if you invested a fifth round pick in him, I mean, that's going to hurt. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to be doing that, but I will, I'll buy into at least the theory that if he's, he, he batted a lot of leadoff toward the end of the year, he's mostly batting second behind Mullins. Uh, that if VR is batting second and I just need steals, you know, he should be a late round pick. If he's an early round pick, then yeah, that's going to be a big mistake. Yeah, it it totally depends on in terms of whether he's a bust or a sleeper. It totally depends on where you can get him. Because yeah, there's there's definitely hey, look at this guy. Look at how much upside he showed as a base stealer with the Orioles, and you know, not a not a complete zero power wise. Like he could be a great bargain, or he could be a big risk. It just depends on how the how the draft room shakes out. So what do you think the earliest you'd take? I assume we wouldn't take him in a points league, but in a categories or rotos le- roto league, I'm thinking like around 120 or so, I would start considering VR. Well, I haven't gotten far enough into my top 600 in roto to tell you for sure, but looking at where I have him position by position, he's my 12th second baseman in roto. Uh, and that's behind like LeMahieu and Dozier. That's probably going to be, that's probably going to be in the top 150. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe the top 125. Yeah, 120 is the more mid-round than late-round. So I could see myself using a mid-round pick on VR if I really have no steals with my, yeah. with my early picks. Uh, I gotta tell you what I had last night. It was awesome. Sweet and spicy chicken grain bowl. Oh, this was delicious. All right, we uh, we cut up the squash and the chicken. We roasted it for like 20 minutes or something. Then we had the grains. Uh, what we do? We we made the kale salad. We threw that in with the grains. It was really really good. Of course, this is Blue Apron, everybody. Man, I love Blue Apron. I've been using Blue Apron for years now. And you can get your first three meals free at blueapron.com/fantasybaseball. Blueapron.com/fantasybaseball. Here's how it works. My wife and I, we go on the website, blueapron.com. We look at the menus several weeks in advance, like, uh, I don't know, five weeks or so they have uh, in advance for you to choose. You can choose three of many options. And you can also tell them what your preferences are. So if you want vegetarian, if you want fish. I don't get a lot of fish options because I don't really like fish. I don't really like seafood. But I do like the shrimp that they have. Love the pizza. They have the best freaking pizza on Blue Apron. So you... You choose the chef design recipes. They deliver it right to your door. You can cook incredible meals in as little as 20 minutes. So uh, I get three recipes a week. They're about 10 bucks per person per meal. They're freaking great. They get me eating things that I've never tried before. Blueapron.com slash fantasy baseball. Blueapron.com slash fantasy baseball. Three meals free. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Uh, Back to the better and worse. Tampa Bay Rays, who do we got? Who's going to be better? Who's going to be worse? Better for the Rays. Uh, there's a few candidates who could be better, but I'm going with Tommy Pham because I was surprised how high I ended up having to rank Tommy Pham based on what his batted ball profile looked like, how he finished the season, and I guess just the other options available in the outfield. I mean, I mentioned it earlier. He's just outside my top 20. This is a guy who, at one point in the season, I had dropped outside of my top 40, 40 you know? Um, very tough player to figure out, but the quality of his contact is still very good, 
and he hit after joining the Rays in about 40 games. He hit 343 with seven homers, five steals, a 1071 OPS. Uh, just looked totally rejuvenated, and I, it, it's kind of a reading between the lines things from various reports we've seen um, in various publications. But like, it seemed like he really wasn't happy with the Cardinals, like wasn't getting along with management. Was just Scott has such a soft spot for Tommy Pham. Boy, Tommy Pham could like urinate in public on the side of like a, a you know a sacred monument and you would make excuses for it. you love Tommy Pham. I don't know where I was going with that. I was gonna say something much <laughs> worse. And then I was like, wait, rein it in. Um, Look. No, I he, I agree, I agree. He's a twenty twenty man who walks a lot. Right? Like he was nearly twenty twenty this year, twenty one homers, fifteen yeah, steals. No consistency with this guy though. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping he finds it now. I'm hoping he finds it in a place where he feels appreciated. Cause it you got the sense like he turned down an extension when he was still making the league a minimum. He complained to Sports Illustrated about um, you know, he was just he expressed his disgust to Sports Illustrated about how long it took the Cardinals to figure out that he's good. Like, and then, you know, he was he was getting benched and stuff during the season, and then they traded him like a a near like an MVP candidate from 2017, and they traded him for like some fringe prospects midseason to the Rays, and it seems like the Rays know what they have in him. They played him every day, and he was great for them. So I think he's, I think he's, uh, I think he's closer to, well, I, look, his final numbers don't look yeah, bad, yeah, but I no. think he's, I think he's pretty close to the guy we saw in 2017. Tommy Pham. All right. Who's going to be worse on the race? So this was a stretch, but I'm going to say Ryan Yarbrough. Uh, I don't really see much to like about Ryan Yarbrough. I think just the fact that he is, uh, uh, is can, do we call him a, ro- a rotation spot holder? Like he made only six starts technically, but you know he was he was pitching a starter's workload basically. Um, so he's one of the five guys that I'm going to call him a starting pitcher for the race. <laughs> and the fact he won 16 games this year in that role with a respectable ERA, but you know not much of a bat misser, not a great control pitcher, not a great ground ball pitcher, just really nothing to make me think. He's anything more than a league average guy who could get replaced at the drop of hat or, uh, you know, just not really offer much. Certainly not win 16 games again. All right. So, so far we've got Dylan Bundy will be better for the Ray, for the Orioles and Jonathan VR will be worse for Tampa Bay. Tommy Pham will be better and Ryan Yarbrough will be worse for the Blue Jays. Who's going to be better? Scott White. Better for the Blue Jays, and this is kind of like, well, he didn't get enough time to really know what better means, but I, I think Sean Reed Foley, I think they have something with him. I think there is a lot of strikeout potential here, and he showed it in a couple starts down the stretch. I mean, certainly he showed it throughout his minor league career, too. Um, in 2016, I want to say he had uh, the Best K per nine among starting pitchers. Could be wrong about that. I'm going Sean Reed Foley. Yep, and it was even higher this year, 10.4 per nine in the minors. And then once he got to the majors, he put together 
a couple of two ten strikeout performances in September. Like he showed a lot of bat missing ability. Uh, I think he has a rotation spot for sure, and I think he'll quickly emerge as the Blue Jays' best pitcher. All right, Scott. How about who's going to be worse for the Blue Jays? By the way, Marcus Stroman was my guy who's going to be better. I think Stroman had some injuries that he dealt with, got off to a terrible start uh, because of it, the shoulder injury. And uh, I just think he's a solid pitcher. Not great. I don't know that I need to be drafting him in categories leagues. The lack of strikeouts might kill you. But I think Stroman will be a very, very underrated points league pitcher. Who will be worse for the Blue Jays? Justin Smoke, and it won't entirely be his fault, but he, which I don't, I don't think it was a surprise to too many people. But he showed this year that he wasn't as good as he made us all believe in 2017. That was kind of a weird way of phrasing that, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Like we were suspicious of that 2017, and he showed we were right to be suspicious. He's not bad. He's not a bad hitter. He walks a lot. He. You know, he hit 25 home runs even this year. Um, but he's not good enough at age 32 that a team in rebuild mode would need to stick with him. I don't know that he would have a lot of trade value for them. I think there's just a chance he's benched sooner than later. It was pretty much happening in September. He, he was often taking a seat in favor of, uh, rowdy, rowdy, um, I don't know how to pronounce the name. Rowdy Telez, T-L-E-T-A-L-L-E-Z. A power hitting prospect. I have no idea. Who plays first base. Yeah. Uh, somebody who the Blue Jays, since they're not looking to contend in all likelihood, are going to want to see more of next year. And I think it'll come at Smoke's expense. Good. I'm not a, really a huge Justin Smoke fan anyway. Let's go to the world champion Red Sox. Scott, I think Rafael Devers will be better. You know, forget about the numbers. I'm going to give you the narrative. Great rookie year, predictable sophomore slump, awesome uh, junior season, good player rest of his career. End of story. Yeah, I mean, there's not really a number that jumps out at you to make you think he's going to be better. Like, it's not like, oh, he had bad luck or anything like that. But he's 21 years old. Right. You know? The lefty thing thing scares me. I mean, that's the only thing. They— if they platoon him, then he's not going to be better for fantasy. But if they don't, it, you know, he'll be better. It's not like he has a horrific strikeout rate like Yon Moncada or something like that. I, it, you definitely see the potential for him to make a big big leap forward, and you're just guessing it's going to be next year. I, I mean, that's that that was going to be my pick until I heard you had picked it. Uh, but another guy who I think has the potential to be even better is uh is Nate Evaldi. Uh free agent, I believe. Yeah. Uh he is. Yeah. And you know, it to some extent it depends where he lands, I guess. But he really changed his arsenal in a way that has made his fastball uh which he always you know, he was always one of the hardest throwers, but the knock on him was why is he not missing more bats with it? Well, he introduced a cutter here this year that apparently, I, I guess because it, it's it's closer in velocity, his his primary secondary pitch is now closer in velocity and looks a little more like the fastball on the way to the plate, that it's made his fastball itself more deceptive. And he's getting much better results. I mean, you mentioned what he's doing in the postseason. 
Um, yeah, but, as a starter too, not just as a reliever. Yeah. And he had stretches this year where he looked great. And, you know, he, he would fall out of love with the cutter at times and, and, you know, have to learn to fall in love with it again because, you know, the production was kind of up and down he, in that way. Yeah, he, he but was, when he, he got, but when hammered. it was on, he was, but what was that? He got hammered. You know, they, 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 okay. So he comes over to the Red Sox. His first two starts are amazing. His next five mm-hmm. starts, he had an 805 ERA. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he started getting rocked a little bit. I, I do wonder if people started to figure him out. And, uh, fin- you know, he finished fairly strong, although he, he was, uh, not going super deep into games. And he had I, I think it's playoffs. less them figuring him out than him still figuring it out. I mean, tweaking his arsenal in that way. Like, yeah. You, you know, look Scott- at the swinging strike rate on the four seam fastball. It was way up. Mm-hmm. It was, it was one of the best swing and miss fastballs in all of baseball. And that's where it should have been. A lot of people felt like all along because of what the velocity was. I, I think this is going to help him take off. I think he's going, I think he has like top 30 potential. Okay. So that's Evaldi. Scott says Evaldi will be better. I said Devers will be better. Scott said Justin Smoke will be worse for the Blue Jays and Sean Reed Foley will be better. I said Stroman will be better. Who will be worse for the Red Sox? I think for the Red Sox, worse, I'm going to go with um, – oh, I forgot to write it down. Uh, let's go uh, with right. – oh, it was a tough one. I, I, Yeah, I don't love this one. I'm going to go with Ian Kinsler. Oh, he's terrible. Yeah, he, he's showing clear signs of fading, I think. For two years. I'm not sure if he's even going to be a starter next year. Uh, so they, they, He's been bad. Yeah. He had a big hit on Thursday night. I went with David Price and, and, you know, he's really looking like he found something. Like he figured out a way to be effective. Uh, he, he just hammers the inside corner. His location's really good. And yeah, I, I gotta hand it to him. He's even seemed to conquer his postseason <laughs> demons, but it's gonna be a yeah, pretty decent amount of innings when it's all said and done, pitching deep into a game for a guy who said, if he were younger, he would have had elbow surgery. So I'm always going to be wary of that. Remember he had the scare earlier in the year where he left with an arm issue that may have been from playing Fortnite. We don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be a little wary of it. I think off the top of my head, David Price, if I can get him around like 90th or later, I'd be pretty excited about taking a risk there. But if it's earlier than that, which I suspect it may be, then no thank you. But I guess we could look at ADP, right? I mean, I haven't really been looking at that because I, you know, what what the industry experts are doing now is different than what the fantasy folks are going to be doing later. Well, I can tell you because I am done uh, in points leagues. I have I have a top two fifty two, basically a standard twelve team points league draft done. And uh, where he is in those rankings is 73rd. Okay. So it sounds like you're not going to get much of him, at least in points leagues. I imagine he'll be outside of the top 90 in Roto. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think I'll take him 73rd. But I, I could see people people doing that. Yeah. All right, Scott. Uh, time for emails to finish the show. This is from Daniel. Dear Uncle Adam and Scott's cell phone. Yes. Scott's cell phone made an appearance today. I'm in a keeper league. It always league. does. 
I'm having trouble deciding between Clevenger and Herman Marquez. Who do you think will have the better 2019, Clevenger or Marquez? I have Marquez higher by two spots, I think. It's, uh, you know, there's more risk with Marquez, but I think there's more upside too. It's, it's the risk reward guy versus the safe guy, I feel like. Here's Mark. And, oh. Yeah. One spot difference. Marquez oh. is 19th for me. Clevenger's 20th. Here's Mark from Barrie, Ontario, Canada. Dear Rollins, O, and Kissinger. I know this. Mm-hmm. I'll throw another one at you. Rowan Gardner. Okay. These are Henry. Well, I know I know who Henry Rowan Gardner. Oh, so they're Henrys. Yeah, like O Henry. Who's Henry, Henry Rollins? Henry Rollins from Rollins Band. You know Henry Rollins. I don't know. You'd know him if you saw him. Okay. First year in a keeper head-to-head categories league, I won the league. Large part due to you fellas. Uh, thank you. Struggling with my keeper options, I can keep four. Should I keep two pitchers? All right, so he can keep four. He's got Sale and DeGrom. Probably. Blackman and Freeman. Mm-hmm. That's probably it. Now, it's a head-to-head yep. categories league, so would you take out Sale, DeGrom, Blackman, or Freeman for any of the following? Chris Davis, Gene Segura, Luke Voigt, Mitch Haniger, Starling Marte, Anthony Rendon. No. Though Chris Davis, Starling Marte, since it's a categories league, and uh, Anthony Rendon aren't far off. I don't think I could give up any of those four for them. All right, next up we have Mike from Athens, Georgia. Dear Thorny, Mack, and Foster. That would be, come on, Scott, shenanigans. I, I don't know a thorny. Super Troopers. Okay. Seen it? No, no, I haven't. I think you'd hate it, personally. Yeah, uh, I've seen enough of it to not feel like it was something I had to see. Okay. I I walked out, I think, the first time I saw it, but the more I saw Super Troopers, the more I appreciated it, and now I think it's funny. Okay. Uh, we get five keepers this year, down from six last year. I am rebuilding with younger talent. I need some advice. Right now I've got Garrett Cole, Trevor Story, and Walker Bueller as keepers. So I need two more. I'm going after Trevor Bauer in the offseason with a pick trade and Snell and Corbin as backups if we can't make a deal for Bauer. So he plans on having Garrett Cole, Trevor Story, Walker Bueller, and hopefully Trevor Bauer. My fifth keeper is the issue, and I'm leading towards Reese Hoskins. But given how this year went, I'm not sure. Uh, what are his other options? With a sophomore slump for Reese Hopkins, um, can I hope for a Trevor Story-like rebound next year or his potential not high enough to hold on to? He's also got Mitch Haniger that he could keep. Yeah, like, okay, like, no I Haniger. Think, I don't think Haniger and Hoskins are in the same sentence in a keeper league. Well, with with it being a points league, uh, oh, he walks though, right? Hoskins. What, Reese Hoskins? Yeah. yeah, I'm saying Hoskins because it's a points league. I give, I, I put a higher priority on him. But I mean, these pitchers are so good. He's going after Trevor Bauer with a pick trade with Snow. Okay, so he's keeping Cole, Story, Bueller, Snell. Corbin or you know, Bauer, it doesn't really matter. I shouldn't gets. have even read the keeper part. Let's just simplify it and say, do you think Reese Hoskins is worth uh, his being his fifth keeper? What kind of year do you expect yeah. from Hoskins? I, I do. I mean, he was 
he was good this year. He like he didn't hit for a high average, so if you just look at his line, you're unimpressed by it. But he he's he placed high in the outfield rankings in both formats. Um, in spite of that, so uh, I can tell you exactly where I ha- like if he's in the top sixty and it's a twelve team league and every team keeps five, that makes him a pretty easy call to keep, right? And he's fiftieth for me. So yeah, okay. Uh, next up, last email here is from, uh, I don't have a name on this one. Hey, Cisco, Janaway, and Archer. Janeway? Janeway, sure. Cisco and Archer, okay, those are, those are captains in the... Yeah, it's the, Star Trek in The her. three worst Star Trek series. <laughs> okay. How about that? Oh, nice. First off, I made the playoffs in all six of my leagues and lost in the first round in all of them, so thanks. With a question mark. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I need help deciding my keepers next season. 12-team head-to-head categories league. There are some unique categories, but he can keep... Let's see. Uh, he can keep four. So pick four. This is a $260 budget. Okay. $38 Freddie Freeman. Okay. $39 Jose Altuve. Mm-hmm. $16 Francisco Lindor, yes. Ding, ding, ding. $16 Juan Soto. All right. $45 Scherzer. $31 Verlander. Two. You can keep four. All right. So oh, okay, so Lindor's definitely easy. Lindor. Uh-huh. Um, Just so everybody else knows, we got Lindor for 16. We got Soto for 16. Everyone else is 30 or more. $31 Verlander, $38 Freeman, $39 Altuve. That'd be one for me. And Max Scherzer at 45 Yeah, I think just the scarcity of what Altuve provides, you know, if, if you have half a hope of him bouncing back, 39 seems totally fair. Um, so Altuve, Lindor. I'm going to go with Soto because there's a good chance you keep him multiple years if his starting point is 16. He's going up two every year. Um, and Verlander. I think my fourth would be Verlander. Yeah. yeah, I don't think that there's $14 difference between him and Scherzer, and they're both old. Uh, I think you have, I, I, I think just because 31's the starting point, you have a better chance of keeping Verlander longer. That is exactly what I was gonna say. Now let's see if this works. Roger, Roger. What's our vector, Victor? There it is. What's our vector, Victor? That's what I think of every time oh, I hear that was- Worth the wait. Thank you. Thank Worth you. <laughs> Thank you, Scott. I'll just play the rest of it. Now our radio clearance over. That's clearance over. Over. Roger. Huh? Roger, over. Huh? <laughs> it's amazing. Ooh. All right, Scott White. <laughs> Thanks for indulging me. We're out of here, everybody. Uh, uh, what were you saying? <laughs> That's one I haven't seen. I got to see Airplane. Oh, jeez. God. Well, I don't want to recommend it to you because if you don't like it, then I'm going to be over too. That's okay. Like, I don't, I don't judge, like I was trying to say at the start of my Halloween rant, like, I don't judge anyone who likes it. I understand it was innovative and groundbreaking. I just can't put myself in a place to, uh, enjoy it for that. Okay. Because other, other things have already broke that ground for me. I don't, you know? Yes, but bold prediction. You will love Airplane. The movie absolutely holds up. It's still, like the funniest movie, one of the funniest movies ever. And you will love it. And we are out of here, everybody. 
We won't speak to you before Halloween. <laughs> Happy Halloween, everybody. See you later. Ha, 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 ha.